as a strategist, you get to touch everything. So whether it's brand strategy, whether it's digital strategy, whether that's um, communication strategy, whether that's social strategy, whether it's like a little bit of sort of like even research in a way, I think we need to be a lot more fluent in all of these those disciplines, which I think shapes better leaders. Hello and welcome to Grow Up, an APG Canada podcast, where we give strategic thinkers and creative tinkerers opportunities to grow. I'm your host, Michelle Lee, and today on the show, and actually for the next few weeks, we'll be chatting to industry professionals about what makes strategic planning in Canada different from the rest of the world and what a Canadian style of strategic planning might have to offer the industry. Today, we're joined by Rafik Belmisk, CSO at Densu. Uh, Rafik, thanks so much for joining us today. We're excited to have you here. Uh, Terrific if you could please introduce yourself to our listeners. Tell us a bit about your background, um, especially the markets that you've worked in, uh, and then then we're going to get right into the question of uh, how you see strategic planning in Canada as being different and what you think Canada can uniquely offer the industry. Of course. Well, thank you very much for having me. I think you've done a great job at introducing me. So my name is Rafik and I'm the CSO at Dentsu. Um, in, in, before Dentsu, I worked at uh, quite a few agencies, some independent, some, uh, some network. And in terms of markets, so I worked in Singapore and Singapore being a regional hub, I got to work in, in lots of markets from there. So from China to Vietnam, to Philippines, to Indonesia, uh, and even Australia at some point. And um, actually throughout the last couple of years, we were chatting about it just like in the intro, right? Through uh, the rise and the democratization of, uh, of remote work and hybrid work is when my opportunities to collaborate and work with planners from different markets on uh, on their problems uh, kind of like exploded, right? So um, we've done a lot of work in the US, some work in uh, in, in Europe, some work in, in the UK, work on global brands as well. So yeah, I've uh, I've had the uh, the opportunity and the the, the luck to work on uh, a lot of things. Yeah, super interesting. And you're actually so we've interviewed a few different strategists and creatives now. Um, a lot of them have come from the UK for obvious reasons. Um, you know, some I think we've spoken to a few from the US, uh, but I think you're the first actually from um, Asia, like who has actually spent some time living and working in Asia in that part of the world. Um, so I'm curious as to your reflections. I mean, sorry, I'm just uh, creeping your LinkedIn right now. I know that it was a, a few years ago that you worked in Singapore. It looks like um, kind of 2013, 2014, you were working at Ogilvy in Singapore. Yeah, 2012, 2014. Yeah, I, I spent some time working at uh, Ogilvy in Singapore. And like I said earlier, what's so great about, about Singapore is that it's, it's a global hub, right? in markets that have completely different sort of like issues that they need to solve because they are, are at uh, different levels of, of development. So when I worked at Ogilvy in Singapore, we, we, um, we had SGX, which is the Singapore Stock Exchange as a client. And we also had OMO, which is the, this uh, sort of like uh, washing machine powder. And the market for SGX was obviously Singapore. The market for OMO was Vietnam. And one of the problems that we had to, to solve is we were selling the, we were talking to, um, to Vietnamese women who were uh, ha- having their first ever washing machine. So you had to, to tell them that actually you need to put a special type of powder in it. You can't put any, any type of soap. And so on the other hand, you're talking about derivatives on the, the SGX and, uh, and their value. So I think Singapore is a great, great place for that to give you some, some diversity of, uh, of thinking. And the people you work with are really diverse too, because it attracts 
planners from all around the world, right? So if I ever think about my my my, uh, my my team there, I used to work with people from the UK, with people from uh, from Northern Ireland, with people from the uh, different parts of Asia, with people from South America. So that was a really really amazing opportunity. Yeah, I I think that's really interesting, and it makes me consider. So when we had this event uh, a month or so ago now, um, one of the things that we started talking about was obviously the um, diversity within Canada, um, and it's interesting to think about. I mean, I think Singapore would be one of these places as well, alongside, you know, India and Dubai, where um, it almost seems as though some of the strategists and creatives that work there have this innate sense of being able to understand and in naturally include um, people that come, you know, have other cultures, other religions, um, other ethnicities, uh, and, and obviously Singapore being a global hub um, would be reflective of that. Is, is that something you feel like um, was approached differently or, or kind of maybe a skill that you acquired while you were there? I'm, I'm not sure it's necessarily approached differently. I think sorry, some countries are, are more fertile for um, for welcoming that type of diversity to your point because it's a global hub right like it's sort of like a place where like lots of people from different places converge so obviously like if only like for for practical reasons that they'll end up like collaborating right i don't think it's something you learn i think it's something that is important to me i don't think it's because of the uh, of my experience in singapore necessarily i just have it as a as a mantra, as an object, an, an objective to build the most diverse team possible at at Denso in my strategy team because I think it leads to better work because I think it leads to understanding uh, Canadians of all sort of like uh, of of all uh, b- backgrounds way 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 better. So I, I just think it just makes for for way better work. It makes for better servicing of of our clients and um, yeah, this is the right thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, what what are some of your reflections as you think about either your time in Singapore and or, um, you know, the, the time you spent working um, across other markets? Is there anything that stands out to you in terms of what makes uh, Canada and its approach to strategic planning different? For sure. So I think Canadians, because the size of, uh, I guess, the marketing budgets and hence our teams is smaller, we need to be more nimble, right? So we need to be more generalists. You very, very rarely end up in a meeting room where there's like 10 strategy people across different disciplines, which working on uh, global brands in the US does happen, right? And as a Canadian, at first it shocked me. I was like, why are there so many people? And so um, and it's something that I've discussed quite a bit with colleagues uh, across disciplines, right? In, 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 cre- in creative or even in, uh, in business leadership. And that's something that they felt as well. Every time a Canadian goes to sort of like type of like global me- meetings, like why are there so, so many people <laughs> and there's only two, two of us? So I think this forces us to be a lot more resourceful and a lot more uh, nimble. But it, it also sort of like makes it that the, the people who have that actual hunger to, to do great work, to, to really do a, a, amazing things that people are going to notice and, and end up rising and end up standing out, right? So I think that that's definitely one of the uh, one of the things that uh, is, is special about Canada and that um, bigger markets, so to speak, can probably learn from us, right? Because we can get a lot, a lot done with very little. And I think the flip side of that, however, is that we can learn from those like b- bigger markets to be a little bit bolder in what uh, we try to achieve and in uh, sort of like the ambition that, that, that we want strategically and, and creatively, right? So as shocked as I am by the number of people around the table, it's a, the, the ambition is always so high, right? And I don't think it's just because budget. It's just that 
whenever they're facing, like even at the strategy level, that box that tells you, okay, what's the best possible outcome that could come out of this work? I think they dream probably a little bit wilder and a little bit bigger than that, right? And so I think that's something that we can, we can learn from them. And I, I remember actually when I was working in Singapore, it's an example that I give quite a bit. Um, McDonald's had launched um, Hello Kitty as its, uh, as in, in the Happy Meal as, as a toy, right? And um, it created the first riot in Singapore history. Right. And, and for me, that's the benchmark, right? If you're trying to do like an LTO or an activation, why would you have not have that as the project? Yeah, super interesting. Um, so I, I guess almost in a way, like, are we forced to be you know, a jack of all trades in some respect when it comes to strategy, or at least to have a, a fair bit of understanding? You know, you may be a brand strategist, but you at least have, a, a, as a good one, you'd have a strong or some decent appreciation for maybe comm strategy or digital strategy or experiential is is that kind of what you're you found yes i think everybody ends up converging towards that generalist position as they grow more and more senior right because it just becomes part of the responsibility right to be able to have those conversations with clients that sort of like make do the right casting and cast the right person and i think it's actually an advantage that canadian strategists have because early on in their careers they're going to get to touch to a lot more things than if they were in a more siloed team right so and this has been a constant throughout my, my, my career, right? maybe except like at the very beginning, where as a strategist, you get to touch everything. So whether it's brand strategy, whether it's digital strategy, whether that's um, communication strategy, whether that's social strategy, whether it's like a little bit of sort of like even research in, in a way, I think we need to be a lot more fluent in all of these those disciplines, which I think shapes better leaders, right? And so if, if you want to I don't know, leave this country, which you probably should never do, uh, and interview for, for a job in, in the US or in another market, do you, I think people are going to value that. People are going to value the fact that you've had experience across the board that, uh, that, you, that they, you kind of like plug and play. Anyway. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so I, I think it's also really interesting that, it, you know, you've spent, it seems like the majority of your career in Quebec. Um, can you can you talk a bit about that? I mean, you know, some of the themes that we talked about um, on the night was uh, even it feels like a lot of briefs may start out with the premise as it relates to the audience in terms of, of Canada, um, like English Canada and then French Canada. Um, and, and obviously there's lots of different ethnic, uh, ethnic groups um, that, that span the country. Um, do, do you think there's something to be learned uh, in, in, in the current approach or maybe uh, approaches from other countries or other markets you've worked in to be applied or improved in, in the Canada way of, Canadian way of doing things? You mean to connect with like more diverse Canadians other than French and English? Yes, actually, definitely. And I think there's a, I even have like a little bit of a challenge for clients, right? And they, I think clients should give more briefs to multicultural agents, right? Because if you look at most of the multicultural work that you see around the, um, the, the, the that you see around the country, it's, it's usually this kind of like low level retail adapts, right? It's like, oh, here's an ad for like a zero dollar phone. Can you write it in uh, in in Cantonese? Usually, that's that that's a brief that those places get. And I think what that does is that it kind of like robs us of the richness of understanding like how those cultures actually operate within Canadian, right? Because you're usually so focused on like this tiny, 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 tiny part of the, part of the work. And so I do think we're, we're we're kind of like missing out on that, right? We're not seeing what's happening, for example, in uh, in North African culture for real. We're not seeing what was happening in um, in South Asian culture beyond the superficial in Canada. So that would be the challenge that I give agencies and, but but mostly clients, right? 
Um, you, you talked a bit about ambition um, as being kind of a difference, perhaps, uh, you know, a, more strongly seen, you know, for example, in the U.S. Um, are, are there any other things that you think that perhaps we could borrow from other markets or countries in terms of strengthening our approaches? When you, um, so I'm going to go back to the silo comment, right? Because like, if you're, uh, if you're working in a silo that only does like branch strategy or in a silo that only does communications planning, right? You end up sort of like becoming extremely rigorous at that particular silo. And again, it's kind of like this double-edged sword. So where is it's an advantage to be uh, a generalist when it comes to your career growth in terms of the rigor that goes into like the craft of planning, whether again, whether that's brand strategy or social strategy or, or comm strategy. You, we, we kind of sort of like not cut corners, but we often don't have the time or the resources to go as deep as some of our colleagues. So there's probably a lot to learn from their methodologies and, and trying to, um, and, and to, to adapt them better to our, to our market just so that, so that it fits, right? Very often, if you try to transpose kind of like a way of working from the US to Canada, sort of like copy-paste, it's not going to work because like you don't have enough people. But I think there's a lot of innovation, frankly, to, to, be, uh, to be found in trying to, uh, to adapt the, the process for the Canadian market in order for it to be, to be successful. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you've worked, it seems like pretty fluidly um, with, you know, strategists and other teams across the border. I mean, you know, you obviously work at a big global network now, and, and, and have I, I've had that experience um, as well. Do you find that sometimes we need to work to kind of come out of the, the you know, supposed big shadow of, of, U- of the U.S.? I mean, how do we kind of navigate through localizing uh, work that has originated out of the U.S. or the U.K.? Or you see that as, a, as an opportunity or a challenge? I mean, it's, it's a bit of both, obviously. I think everything comes with its challenges and opportunities, right? You just need to understand where people are coming from and to build trust, right? The reason why work is centralized with these like massive global brands out of the UK or sometimes there's a lot of centralized out of our Paris, out of the US, out, out of Singapore is because the company's HQ, the client's HQ is there, right? And then when you're handling a, a global brand, you need to be... You need to be clever in how you, how you execute locally, right? Because like your uh, intermediary, whether it's on the client side or, or the agency side, and my God, I've had terrible experience with that, has a vested interest in you replicating whatever the global campaign is, sort of like matching, very, very matching luggage. And so you, you need to kind of like set, set in your, your, your point of, but actually it's not going to work in this market because of so-and-so cultural nuance and because of so-and-so like word doesn't hear and for whatever reason that I'm, I'm sure everybody listening to the podcast is, is very uh, f- familiar with. But so I, I think it's a combination of building a right relationship that's, that's based on trust with like the global strategy, the, the, global, the global client, but also of being responsible with the, with the work, right? Because sometimes the global campaign does work pretty well, so just run it. And what and and so if they see that you're that kind of person that doesn't necessarily have a, a selfish interest in just sort of like getting the client to spend a lot of money in, in in your market, they'll trust you more when you raise a flag of like, oh hey, by the way, this is not going to work, and then and they'll invest and then they'll reap in the benefits and they, they they'll see they'll, they'll see the rewards, right? And and so you, you talked a little bit about like my my, my background and before working at Denso, I worked at Taxi, which is also part of like this massive holding company. And just by virtue of being there for so long and building such a great relationship with the uh, the, the global planning team and the global team in, in general at uh, VMLYNR, which is the network that ta- Taxi sort of like ta- tags onto, we ended up working on so many global mandates, right, and leading them out of Canada. And again, I think this is something that's only become possible because of hybrid work. 
right? Usually you would never sort of like be able to lead a global brand out of a market that's completely unrelated. And so hybrid work has made this possible for, for, for so many of us, right? And I think as strategists, if we want to keep working on, on, on global work, and I think we should because it's bigger, it's more interesting, it has like more, more impact, we, we should try to protect that as well, right? We should try to protect the, the fact that actually it is possible to work from anywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, you touched on uh, what Canadian strategists can uh, offer up to the industry in terms of our kind of our nimbleness and our resourcefulness. Is there anything else specifically that kind of stands out to you? What Canadians can offer the global planning strategy? Uh, yeah. Plan, planning uh, I mean, community? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, so again, reflecting back on the night and, and, and a theme that I've heard some other uh, expats and people who've spent time in other markets mention um, is almost kind of like the Canadian style of doing things in the sense that uh, in at, a, at its extreme, and maybe it doesn't sound so nice, uh, that we like to avoid uh, conflict. Um, we like everyone, we, we want to appease. And so there's an opportunity for us to try and push the work harder and not be afraid of not necessarily all agreeing. Um, but then on the flip side, the positive side of that is perhaps, uh, where that comes from is a stronger empathy, um, and a desire to understand, um, other, other people's perspectives. So I don't know, curious if you have a thought on that. Well, I think you're going at, at kind of like the universal truth that yes, Canadians are nicer and tend to be sort of like conflict averse people. What I'm not sure, however, is that the idea of challenging, I guess, a client in this instance or a creative is a conflict, right? Because as agencies, as consultants, we get paid for our point of view that's based on an expertise. And for me, if you're formulating a point of view that's not the same as like whoever else, as long as you share a common goal, it should never be considered a conflict. Now, if you include like politics and uh, sort of like hierarchy and like personality and all that, yes, it does turn into that sometimes. But I, I think in theory, it should never be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting that you, you again, spend some time working uh, in Singapore. Um, obviously, there's lots of different um, ethnicities and, and people that have come from all over the world. And it's interesting, I reflect on when I worked actually on Kimberly Clark, um, in some instances, they were starting to use Canada as a bit of a test gra testing ground um, for some global strategies because of the diversity of our population. And um, this the, the shifts as, as more and more uh, new Canadians come in from different markets. And so almost using it as a way to test, you know, potentially how could this work amongst a South Asian um, consumer or amongst um, a consumer from um, it, you know, in another part of the world, um, is that I'm curious about something that you've experienced with some of your global clients, and and almost just um, the the validity or practicality of that um, potential uh, initiative. So I think Canada is a testing ground for how people in a different country will react to advertising. I'm not sure I would recommend it to be honest, right? Because like it's not just like your ethnicity, like. I'll give a very, very, very real example. So I'm originally from Algeria. I came here when I was 13, so many, many years ago. And I don't think you could run an ad here and sort of like extrapolate how it's going to, and then target me with it and extrapolate how like the Rafiq that would have not come to Canada and grew up in Algeria would react, right? So I'm not sure I buy that necessarily. However, like on the whole, Canada is a testing ground for, for, for work thing. I think it's a, it's a cheap market to fail in, right? Because like production is cheaper, media is a bit cheaper. And um, if there's a scandal in Canada, it 
it's probably not going to make it very, very far across the world. So I think from that perspective, it's very interesting to treat Canada as a test market and to treat it as a, as, as a sort of like hotbed for innovation, where you could sort of like launch, whether it's new products, where all the like launching new products, especially in CPG is expensive listing rates, but um, in, in other categories, it's probably going to be. So, um, so yeah, I, th- I think it could be um, an, an amazing test, testing ground from, from that perspective, but not, not necessarily to like, take the campaign, copy paste, and, and run it in other markets. That said, working on global brands, uh, it's been extremely frequent across the board that some work we've done in Canada ended up being uh, being run uh, internationally. And so that's the case with uh, some of the subway work that uh, that we're doing here in uh, in Canada. So it's going to be run in the in the US, in, uh, in, in the UK as well. And uh, it happened quite a few times in the previous life too, which is the, the good flip side of uh, sometimes being on an adapt brand, right? Yeah. 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 That's, 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 that's super good. Um, if it's kind of going the other way, <laughs> other than the way it normally goes. Um, what about, um, you know, kind of a, a broad question. We've talked a bit about, um, this stereotypical kind of Canadian niceness. Um, have you noticed any big differences? I mean, I know you work across lots of different categories. So as it relates to Canadian attitudes towards money, health, education, family, or, or even some, you know, differences in, Canadian Gen Zs versus, uh, you know, Gen Zs in other parts of the world. I mean, everything's so, so global now. And it, like all of those reports, <laughs> you know, there's macro trends that cut across all, all countries and parts of the world. Um, I mean, but again, anything that, that stands out to you? Yeah, I think for youth culture, it's more and more globalized, right? And you have that example of like the, this this week or this weekend, wasn't it? Like there's that girl from Montreal who went completely viral on uh, on TikTok. So Pinky Doll is like this girl who goes on on TikTok and like people I guess can tip her or pay her and she just like say really dumb stuff from my perspective, which is like, yes, 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 slay ice cream so good and all that kind of stuff. And so she uh, she went viral on that. But anyway, like back to the to the call version, if you want. Um, I think youth culture is so global that it's kind of like ill-advised to uh, to try to be like, okay, this is Canadian. Canadians are, are more like this or, or that when it comes to, to Gen Z. But I think on, on the broader themes, if you think about finance in general and using kind of like the past, hopefully to be a barometer of, of, of the future, whenever there's like some sort of like massive financial crisis in the US, it doesn't affect Canada in the same way, right? And, and and vice versa, we kind of like don't do as well when the, when the U.S. is sort of explosive explosive growth. So I think that shapes your attitudes, right? And that that shapes your your attitude toward towards money. And it comes down to that whole uh, we probably ambition thing, where like we don't fill the box of what's the best possible thing that could happen with something that's wild enough or as wild as the the American. But on on the same end, I, I think we we've never or not we've never, but like we we don't suffer like the circumstances of, of that as, as diarily so that that shapes our, our attitude. I think it, it makes us more down the middle. So it's, it's not necessarily that we're more conservative. It's just that we're kind of like not as optimistic and not as pessimistic as the Americans are, which is still an interesting data point if you're selling mutual funds, right? Yeah. And after that, I think it's, it's the usual stuff you'd expect about Canadians versus American, right? Like we're more kind of like a... Even where we're, when we're individualistic, we're trying to do it towards the common good, the, the common good, whereas like, I, I feel like Americans are always trying to like take all the credits to credit for for, for them for themselves. Um, I think I've mostly worked for WPP in my career, and you know, headquartered out of London, or New York, or wherever. Yeah. I, I, have you found any differences with with Densu? Because I mean, it's still like the headquarters is still in Japan, is it not? Or 
I think there are a lot of differences, right? So the Dentsu International, which was the headquarters in London, which was all the agencies outside of Japan, and Dentsu Inc. Tokyo merged, I think, at the beginning of, of this year, right? So now it's, it's kind of like one HQ. But what Dentsu has at its core is that it's a, it's a network that's born, it's the only global holding company that's not born in the West, right? It's not born in Western culture. And it's got some kind of like really like interesting quirks that are like unique to it, right? Not just because it's born in Japan, but also because it's, it was born as a, as a media owner, right? Like it, it was born out of journalism. So they're invested in so many things from uh, traditional media to film studios to, um, they, they were very early on, on digital in, in innovation. And that's by, by, by virtue, again, of, of being in a, in a market that was leading that in the, in the 90s, right? It was like kind of like the, the mecca of, the, of technology in the 90s. So um, I think there's so many differences culturally with WP. And I love WPP. Like, don't get me wrong. I still have a lot of friends there. I generally do like what, what they're doing. But I think WPP is so big that each mega agency has its own culture, right? Versus Dentsu having one culture. I think that's the big difference. So like if you go into WPP, I think Ogilvy has, has a very strong culture, right? And VMLYNR has a very strong culture. And like, I don't know about the other ones because I didn't work there, but I'm sure it's the same for Wonderman Thompson and JWT at the time and KQA and all that. But I think at, at Dentsu, you get more of a sort of like unified culture that's sort of like born out of the, 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 those ethos of the, the, the company that, that, that was started in, in Japan. So I think that that's one of the big differences. And also there's... I see more integration from the Dentsu part of the different sort of like lines of business, right? So whether you're thinking of like media, data, and, and creative, like there's more integration than I've ever seen. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, those were kind of the main questions, unless anything else stands out for you. I mean, you've obviously had a really, you know, a, a great career so far working in these different markets and being able to w work across, uh, you know, different countries, even, you know, while, while in Montreal. So um, if there's anything else you want to add, otherwise we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it there. Yeah, I said the hybrid thing, which I think I generally think it's very important, right? Like if we want to keep getting these opportunities and not see the opposite happen, which is everything getting globalized and us never getting the opportunity to touch it out of Canada, I do think we should fight for it. Right. I don't think because it's not going to happen sort of like by itself. If you if you if you leave it, the opposite is going to happen. The opportunities are, are going to go away. But I think if you're at an, an agency that has uh, that's part of the global network, I think you should fight for these opportunities. And even if you're independent, you should ask your clients to sort of like put you onto the global brief, because I don't think it's going to it's something that's going to happen naturally. And it's something that we've been kind of like learning for for a really long time. So I, I do think that's something that we probably need to sort of like hold hands and and um, and work together on as an industry. Yeah, yeah, and I guess it, it'll be different at different networks, right? I guess it all depends on what setup, or I guess what you can initiate in terms of. I mean, I don't know if you guys have like a global CSOs catch up, regular catch up, or regional yeah. catch ups, or it sounds like as you said before that the cross disciplines really well together. So maybe that's by client or account, um, but. Um, you know, whatever frameworks or uh, processes you put in place or help to be part of, I guess, will make that easier. Yeah, 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 for, for sure. Well, obviously, like, we, we do have like global CSO council and all that. But I, I think it happens sort of like not just at the global CSO council, council level. It happens at the business leadership level. It happens even when you, uh, when you, if you're working as a planner and you get asked to help on this US brief, kind of like build a relationship with the head of strategy of that office. Right, so that next time they, because if, if you do a good, this is what I love about our business. If you if you do a good job, people call you back, right? That's always how it works. And so if you do a good job on that, they're going to call you back on it. Then you're going to grow your reputation. And then you, you're going to kind of like keep getting 
mandates that you would not have the opportunity to work on um, out of Canada. So I, th- I think that's something that we should uh, we should push for. Amazing. Great. Well, thank you so much again for your time. It's been great talking with you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share this episode, and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts.